You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Matthew chapter number 3, we'll begin reading in verse number 13. The Bible says, Then come a Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were open unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and uh, we certainly need you today. We need the Holy Spirit of God to work in our hearts, and we need the Word of God uh, once again to come alive as it is a living book. And we need it to work powerfully in our lives, in our situations, in our homes. Uh, Lord, we need your, your word to be at work in our church and in our community and in our country. And uh, we need your power, Lord, concerning things we'll face this week. Uh, Lord, you already know all about them, but I pray that we would uh, keep our eyes on you, as Brother Mike sang about. And I thank you for your goodness to us. I thank you for your faithfulness to us. And I pray that you'd help us during the time we're together this morning. Thank you for these folks who are here. Thank you for the folks who have joined us online, those who are wa- listening by way of radio I pray that you'd minister to them as well. I pray that you'd help us, Lord, in these few moments. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Matthew 13 is uh, an amazing passage. I've got a lot of different things I want to hit on. And I see Matthew 3. It's a a powerful passage. But first of all, I want to draw your attention to verses 13, 14, and 15, where Jesus comes to John the Baptist, and he comes to be baptized. Baptized. Now think about this, for John the Baptist, that had to have been a little bit of deer in the headlights. Like, wait a minute, this is Jesus, this is the Son of God, and he's coming to me to be baptized. By the way, I love this, John the Baptist never let it go to his head. You know, there are some people in life that you meet that are great people, but they don't know it, and they don't think they are. And may God help us to always have a spirit of humility, to realize that we are nothing, and without God we can do nothing. Anything good in my life is all because of God, and anything bad in my life is all my fault, right? John the Baptist, though, he says, Jesus, I have need to be baptized of thee. John didn't say, well, you know, you did pick the right guy. You know, I'm kind of the best around. And Jesus said... John the Baptist, there was not any man, any person ever born of women greater than John the Baptist. But yet he placed himself under the authority of Jesus Christ. And he said, I'm not worthy to baptize you. You need to be the one baptizing me. Nonetheless, Jesus said, nope, you're baptizing me. And John did. You say, why did Jesus have to be baptized? Because he is our example. And when a person gets saved, the Bible teaches the first step of obedience is to get baptized. 
And so if you're here today and you've never been saved, you don't need to get baptized yet. You need to get saved. But if you're saved and you've never been baptized, that is the next step that you need to take. It's the, the, the step of obedience. A baptism identifies us with Christ. Uh, we are baptized into the water and we come out just as Jesus Christ, he died on a cross, he was buried and he rose again. Romans 6 talks about that. It's a picture of Jesus' death, burial and resurrection. But Jesus comes to be baptized. Then we get to uh, Matthew chapter 3 and verse number 16. And it says, and when he was baptized, he went up straightway out of the water and lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. Then there was a voice from heaven. And that voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Now, I want to talk to you for a few minutes uh, in introduction about the Holy Spirit. And we're going to see in this message the Holy Spirit's role in our lives. But Jesus is baptized. And when Jesus is baptized, the Holy Spirit descends like a dove. And there's a voice from God saying, this is my beloved son. We see the Trinity. All three members of the Trinity are mentioned here in Matthew chapter 3. By the way, the Trinity is this. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. These three, they are three in one. They are all co-equal. They are all co-existent. They are all co-eternal, meaning one is not greater than the other. Now, Jesus yielded himself to the, uh, the leadership of the Father and the Holy Spirit's ministry is to glorify and to point people to Christ. But these three are one. So when we talk about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is absolutely 100% God. And I want to make sure we understand that. 1 John 5, 7, there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. By the way, all three members of the Trinity were present at creation. Genesis 1, the Bible says, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, ready for this? God said, let us, wait a minute, if it, if it were singular, it would be let us me make man in my own image. But he said, let us make man in our own image. How does that work? There's only one God, but there are three persons in the Godhead. And so in creation, God the Father, uh, the Holy Spirit, and then you get to John chapter 1. Now, now tell me if this sounds familiar. Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. John 1-1, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were created by Him, and without Him was not anything created. Without Him, there was not anything. And so we find in John chapter 1, who is the Word? Verse number 14 explains it. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so we see in creation, we see the Trinity. Ephesians 4, the Bible says there is one Spirit. There is one Lord. There is one God and Father. We see that the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit has different names throughout the Bible. The Holy Spirit is referred to as the Holy Ghost. He's referred to as the Spirit of God. He's referred to as the Comforter. He's referred to as the Spirit of Truth. 
But the Holy Spirit is God. And the Holy Spirit is present at the baptism of Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 3. So the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament had a very different role than the Holy Spirit's role in the New Testament. If you read the Old Testament, the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit that he would come and go at different times. He would come upon prophets at certain times. He would come upon uh, the judges. Think about Samson. The Bible says, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon Samson. But then it tells us there was a point where the Spirit of God was departed from Samson. And so that was the Holy Spirit's role in the Old Testament. I believe a great example in the Old Testament is when the children of Israel were wandering in the wilderness. How did they know where to go? How did they know when to go to the next place? Well, there was a pillar of what? A pillar of cloud by day. There was a pillar of fire by night. That was the presence of God. And I believe that was a, a picture, a representation of the Holy Spirit who led and guided and directed the children of Israel through the wilderness. The Holy Spirit had a role in the Old Testament, but the Holy Spirit's role in the New Testament, hallelujah, it gets better. Because in the New Testament, we find that the Holy Spirit is manifest here in Matthew chapter 3, in the book of Acts, the day of Pentecost, and the, the upper room where the, the cloven tongues of fire came down upon those disciples that were gathered there. And Brother Dan was preaching in Sunday school this morning about Jesus promised that the Comforter would come. And the Comforter, the Holy Spirit would come and he would abide with us forever. Now here's the good news. When you get saved, when you become a child of God, when you uh, put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. And the Holy Spirit indwells you. And it's not just at times and it's not just on Sundays, but it is at all times. And the Holy Spirit of God lives and abides inside of the Christian. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit of God which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And so we see the Holy Spirit comes to indwell the believer. So we see the Holy Spirit's role, but what is our responsibility? Well, we find throughout the Bible that the Holy Spirit, John 16, he is the spirit of truth and he will guide us into truth Romans 8 the Bible says there is there now therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit oh hang on when you get saved when I got saved uh, there, there's no more the flesh that ought to lead us there's the Holy Spirit of God that wants to lead us there's the Holy Spirit of God uh, that desires to show us the way to go Romans excuse me, Galatians 5, 18, but if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. What's, what does that mean? Well, the law says, thou shalt do this, do this, do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. But as Christians, with the Holy Spirit of God living inside of us, I'm glad we don't have to live according to the law we don't live according to, I have to go to church. I have to read my Bible. I have to pray. I have to serve. No, no, no. We have the Holy Spirit. And so we don't have to. We get to. We are led by the Spirit. And I'm telling you, I'm so thankful to say today that the Holy Spirit of God leads us and guides us and directs us, not just to have to or, oh, it's a drudgery. Oh, it's, it's terrible. It's awful being a Christian. 
No, it's the best life in all the world. It is wonderful to be a Christian because we are led by the Spirit. Galatians 5 tells us to walk in the Spirit. Galatians 6 says to sow in the Spirit. But Ephesians 4 reminds us that we are not to grieve the Holy Spirit of God. So how do you grieve the Holy Spirit of God when you don't follow? When you don't obey, when you don't yield? The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians that we are not to quench the Spirit. The Holy Spirit throughout the Bible is likened unto fire. And what does it mean to quench something? It means to extinguish something. It means to put it out. And the Bible says, don't quench the Holy Spirit. Don't, don't extinguish the Holy Spirit, but let the Holy Spirit of God work in you and through you and let the fire of the Holy Spirit of God manifest itself in your life. Ephesians 5, the Bible tells us not to be drunk with wine, but rather to be filled with the Spirit. You see, when a person is, is, is drunk with, with wine, they are not under their own control. They are under the control of that influence of that alcohol. And when a child of God is filled with the Holy Spirit of God, that person is controlled not by their flesh. That person is controlled by the Holy Spirit's power in their lives. And friend, that's what I want. You say, well, what it says to be filled with the Spirit, does that mean I need to get more of the Holy Spirit? Oh, no. If you're saved, you have all of the Holy Spirit. You have every bit of the Holy Spirit you're ever going to get. But the question is, how much does the Holy Spirit have of you? How much does the Holy Spirit have of me? Have we given the Holy Spirit control? Have we yielded ourselves to the Holy Spirit of God? So we see in Matthew chapter 3, we see that Jesus is baptized. The Spirit of God descends and the voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And uh, friend, that's what we ought to live for every day. We ought to live for that voice from heaven saying, this is my son, this is my daughter, and I am pleased in how they're living. But then notice Matthew chapter 4 in your Bible. It's a long introduction. I'll try to give you a short message. Matthew chapter 4. Then, verse 1, was Jesus led up of the Spirit... Into the, where? The wilderness. Now, hang on. We're talking about following the Spirit. We're talking about letting the Spirit lead us. And Jesus is baptized. The Holy Spirit of God descends. And then Jesus is led by the Spirit. If I said, all right, we got a sign-up sheet in the lobby. When everybody that's wanting to be led by the Spirit, sign up. I think all of us would sign up unless you forget, like most people do with signups, right? But I think it'd be our intention to say, yes, I want to be led by the Spirit. Because I envision being led by the Spirit. Boy, that's got to be good. That's got to be happy. That's got to be wonderful. That's got to be, you know, everything works out. No more problems, no more difficulties. Well, that's not how the Holy Spirit leads. I want you to notice chapter 4, verse 1. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the where? The wilderness to be tempted of the who? The devil. Oh, now that's not what most Christians want to sign up for. But yet following the leading of the Holy Spirit, that is where Jesus ended up. I want to give you a few thoughts here today on what happens when you follow the Holy Spirit. What happens when the Holy Spirit leads? We're talking about Jesus. 
who Jesus Christ, who came in the flesh, and Jesus Christ that put him upon himself of the form of a man, Jesus who knew what pain was like, he knew what suffering was like, he knew what emotions were like, he knew he was uh, tempted and, and proved at all points like as we are, yet without sin. Uh, he, he, he knew he was touched with the feelings of our infirmities. And so Jesus, following the Holy Spirit, number one, the Holy Spirit led to a wilderness. Now, whenever you read about a wilderness in the Bible, just picture a desert. Picture a barren land. Picture a, a land that is desolate. Picture a place where nobody signs up to go on vacation. And yet the, the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. That's where there's not a lot of food. That's where there's not a lot of water. That's where there's not the parties. That's where there's not the excitement. That's a place you don't want to be. But yet the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. When you follow the Holy Spirit in your life, I want to remind you, number one, he can lead you and sometimes will lead you into a wilderness. How about the children of Israel? We know they wandered in a wilderness. But did you know that when they came out of Egypt and God parted the waters of the Red Sea, did you know that it was God's plan for them to go into and through the wilderness? It was God's plan for them to go through, but they got so upset in the wilderness, they started murmuring and complaining and blaming God and questioning God that God said, all right. He said, I was planning to bring you through this wilderness, but I might have to leave you here for a while, and he did for 40 years. You see, when the Holy Spirit leads you into the wilderness, that's not your final destination. And you may be here today and you've been following the Holy Spirit and maybe you feel like you're in a wilderness. I got news for you. Don't get your eyes off of God while you're in the wilderness. Don't get your eyes on the problems. Don't start complaining about how bad it is. You keep following the Holy Spirit because he's got you there for a reason. He's got some things he's trying to do in you and some things he's trying to do in me. And he will at times lead into a wilderness. But when you're in the wilderness, don't stop following the Holy Spirit. Because he's leading you through. Not in to stay, but he's leading you through. Number one, he can lead to a wilderness. Number two, when you follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, he can lead you to war. You say, Pastor, I came for some encouragement this morning, and so far you're 0 for 2. <laughs> a wilderness does not sound good. Uh, I'm in a wilderness right now, and as a matter of fact, I kind of was hoping you'd show me how to get out. I am showing you, and I can't tell you when it's going to happen, but I'm saying this, you follow the Holy Spirit, you're not going to stay in that wilderness forever. He's going to lead you out. But number two, sometimes the Holy Spirit leads to war. We see in Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 4 that this was all-out war between Jesus and Satan. And by the way, who led Jesus to this place? The Holy Spirit. And you see, when you're following the Holy Spirit, there's going to be times where the Holy Spirit's going to lead you into battle. He's going to lead you into war, not against your spouse, not against your fellow church member, not against your neighbor, not against your family, not against your friends, not against people. But the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And we are in a battle. And when you're following the Holy Spirit, that devil does not like it one little bit. And that old devil is going to do everything to fight. He's going to do everything to stop you. And when you follow the Holy Spirit, there'll be some times he'll lead you into battle against the world, the flesh, and the devil. But as you follow the Holy Spirit, I want to tell you this. Don't be surprised when the attacks come. 
Jesus, following the leading of the Holy Spirit, he comes into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Number three, when you follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, he can lead you to a place of weakness. Now, again, it's not, it's not good. This is not exciting. This is not motivational. This is not uh, the build yourself up and have a better self-esteem. But I'm telling you what the Bible says. The Bible says that Jesus fasted for how long? Let me, I think that's right, but let me just double check because you kind of sounded a little timid in that. Verse number two. And when he had fasted, how many days? 40 days and 40 nights. Now, some of you have not eaten for like three hours and you're starving right now, right? Uh, we have, uh, we've got Micah who is in junior church, but Micah's almost four. And Micah, when he gets hungry, he also is angry. So you know what that's called. It's hangry. Well, we've said that about him a few times and he's picked up on it. So now he readily admits, he says, I'm hangry. You know, most of us get like that. We just don't admit it, you know, but he'll at least admit it. But Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And the Bible says he was and hungered. He was hungry. Can you imagine what that would have been like? Can you imagine the weakness that you would feel physically after that? And yet, who led Jesus to do that? The Holy Spirit. And sometimes the Holy Spirit leads us to a place of weakness. Now, hang on. If you, if, you, if you leave here and you say, Pastor said we have to fast 40 days and 40 nights. I didn't say that. And by the way, if you, if you ever fast for any really length, a serious length of time, you ought to talk to your doctor and all that. But prayer and fasting is absolutely biblical. And I think every Christian ought to have times and seasons of fasting and prayer. The Bible says there are some things that cannot be accomplished except by prayer and fasting. And so Jesus, after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he is weak. And sometimes the Holy Spirit will lead us to a place of weakness. You say, why would the Holy Spirit do that? Because when you face the devil, you cannot be relying upon your own ability. And you cannot rely upon your own strength. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul, he was at a point of weakness and he, he besought the Lord three times that God would remove that thorn in the flesh. You remember that account? 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And Paul said, I beseech you, I beg you to, to take this thorn away. I don't know what that thorn in the flesh was. But God answered and he said, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. You know why the Holy Spirit leads to a place of weakness? So that you learn to rely upon the Lord. So that I learn to rely not on my own strength, but I rely upon God's power. And I realize it's certainly not about me but it's all about him. And the Holy Spirit led to a place of weakness. Number four, quickly, the Holy Spirit always leads to waiting on God. Notice verse number two, that Jesus fasted uh, for 40 days and 40 nights. That was no doubt fasting and prayer and time with God and fellowship with God and communion with God. Then we get to verse number uh, three, and when the tempter came to him and said, if thou be the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. That took some trust 
That took some waiting on God because there Jesus was faced with an opportunity. Hey, I'm hungry. All I have to do is just turn these stones into bread, which Jesus could have done. But he said, that's not what God wants. That's not God's plan. This is not the time. And he was willing to wait on God. The Holy Spirit always leads to waiting on God. This includes prayer, fasting, trusting. Verse number 7. Jesus saith unto him, it is written again that thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. You know what it means to tempt God? We're not talking about tempting God to sin, but we're, we're talking about uh, 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 trying to, trying to uh, get God to do something that he's not willing to do, that he's not ready to do. And we do that sometimes, let's be honest. Sometimes we pray and God doesn't answer, so we take matters into our own hands. Sometimes we do something foolish and then we expect God to bail us out. That, that's what happened here. Satan said, hey, you're up on this, this pinnacle. Why don't you cast yourself down and you know, God will send his angels and God will protect you. And wait a minute, could God do it? Yeah, absolutely he could. Just because God can do something doesn't mean he's going to. And just because God can do something doesn't mean you and I have to be foolish to try to, say, try to force God's hand, so to speak. And so God, the Holy Spirit of God, always leads to a place of waiting and trusting and prayer and fasting. And in this case, number four, the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil and to wait on God. The Bible says in the book of Jude that we are to pray in the Holy Ghost. I wonder today if you're in a season of waiting. I wonder if you're in a time of waiting and you'd like to force something, you'd like to make something happen. But friend, I want to tell you, just keep waiting on God. Keep trusting God. Keep on praying. Uh, keep on doing what you're doing. Stay close to God through the time of waiting. Number five, quickly, the Holy Spirit always leads to the word of God. It says in verse number four, but he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by what? Every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. You say, well, how are we supposed to live? Not just by bread alone, not just by food, but you better have some spiritual food. You better have the word of God. This better be your nourishment because sometimes people won't encourage you like you need to be encouraged. Sometimes people won't have the right thing to say, but how many of you know God's always got the right thing to say? God's always got the answer. This is a powerful, living, eternal word that has the answer for your life and mine. The Holy Spirit always leads to the word of God. Three times Jesus answered Satan, as it is written, as it is written, as it is written. That's why it's so important to read the Bible. That's why it's so important to memorize the Bible. Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. The Holy Spirit's always going to lead you back to the word of God. Say, well, pastor, that's why I come to church. Come to church to get fed and I'll, I'll be back next Sunday. Well, friend, I got news for you. You need more spiritual food than once a week. We need the word of God every day of our lives. We need that spiritual nourishment. We need the word of God. Ephesians 6, the Bible is referred to as the sword of the spirit. We need the word of God in our lives. My dad was a... A Christian school teacher, I've, you know about him, I've told you, but for those that are visiting, my dad was a Christian school teacher for 20 years, and he was a, a, a pastor for almost 20. 
And uh, I remember my dad, he, first of all, he was a, an, an amazing reader. He could, he could read and read and he could retain. How many of you know some people can read, but some people just can't remember what they read? You know, he could do both. And I remember one Saturday evening, he went, there was, we had a, a, an attic kind of area in our house in Rockford that was kind of converted to, uh, it, was, it wasn't fancy, but it was just a little, little space up there. And I remember one Saturday evening, we were down doing something in the living room. And I remember he went up those stairs. They were very steep and we didn't go up there a lot, but it was, it was used for some things. And uh, there was no TV, no radio. Of course, that was before computers. And he went up there and all he had was his Bible. And you know, he was a Sunday school teacher at the time and he was a Christian school teacher. And he was up there for quite a while and he came back down and I asked him, I said, Dad, I said, what were you doing? And uh, he said, well, I was reading the Bible. And so I asked him just out of curiosity, like, well, are you studying? Or are you reading for, uh, studying for a sermon? Are you studying for, you know, your, your Bible class? Or are you studying for a Sunday school class? Or what is it? And he said, no, Jeremy. He said, just reading the Bible. I said, well, what'd you read? He said, well, I read the book of Romans. You know, that's 16 chapters. That's a pretty, pretty significant, you know, size book. And, and I remember the thought hit me. I thought, you know, sometimes if we're not careful, We'll wait till there's a need and then go to the book. But how about if we go to the book first? So that way when there's a need, that way when Satan comes to tempt, we don't have to go frantically try to find a verse. We can answer as it is written. And the Bible has the answer for anything and everything that you will face. Oh, how we need the word of God. And the Holy Spirit always leads to the word of God. Psalm 119 Verse number nine, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Verse 10, with my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Verse 11, thy word uh, have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. May God help us to get back in the word of God. The Bible has the answer. The Bible is the victory that we have against the devil. Then I see quickly number six. It's found in verse number 10. The Holy Spirit always leads to worshiping God. Verse number 10, Jesus said unto Satan, Get thee behind me, get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God. You know, the Holy Spirit's not going to lead you to a point where you're worshiping a job, a career, a hobby, um, a, a house, a, a car, um, a retirement account. The Holy Spirit's not going to lead you to a point where you are worshiping some relationship or you're worshiping some person or something. The Holy Spirit will always lead you to worshiping one person, and that is God. And as you follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, he'll lead you to worship. Hey, guess what? Here we are this morning at church. You know what we do at church? We worship God. You know, you don't wait till Sunday to worship God. I shouldn't wait till Sunday. We gotta worship God every day. He is worthy of our worship. And then I see quickly, number seven, the Holy Spirit always leads to the work of God. Verse 10, and him only shalt thou serve. You know, I believe the reason that some people don't serve God like what they should is because they're not following the leading of the Holy Spirit. You follow the Holy Spirit every time. He's gonna take you to a life of service. And there is no life in the world, there is no job in the world that is greater than serving God. And you don't have to be a pastor to serve God. You don't have to be a missionary to serve God. You don't have to be an evangelist or a Christian school teacher or whatever. You just have to be somebody who says, Lord, here am I, send me. I'll do whatever you want me to do. 
And the Holy Spirit leads us to a life of work for God. And then lastly, the Holy Spirit always leads to winning the war. Verse 11, after all of this, the, the temptations of Satan, three times he tempted Jesus. Three times Jesus answered as it is written. And then verse 11, then the devil leaveth him and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. That's a sweet victory right there. That's a blessing when you stay faithful. That's a blessing when you follow the Holy Spirit. That's a blessing when that old devil finally says, you know what, I'm not getting anywhere with this person. I'm gone. And can I tell you, Jesus Christ was victorious over Satan. But Jesus Christ did it by following the leading of the Holy Spirit. And do you think if Jesus needed to be led by the Holy Spirit, do you think we need to be led by the Spirit? Absolutely. And so my challenge today is this. The Holy Spirit is ready to lead. The Holy Spirit is ready to guide. The Holy Spirit is there to show you the way. Are you following? Are you yielded? Are you filled with the Holy Spirit of God? I want to be. My dad, uh, I love to hear him talk when he was a pastor and even he was a teacher and we'd, he'd tell me about ministry and about serving God. He faithfully served God his whole life. Uh, on his grave marker is that verse, 2 Timothy 4, 7, I've fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. It's one word uh, that, that's there to describe his life and it's the word faithful and that, that's very accurate. And that wasn't what he chose. That's what his family, that's what we chose to put on there. But I remember him telling stories. I was born in 1979 in Santa Clara, California. And you know, you all know Pastor Treber. Uh, he's been here before. And um, my dad and my mom worked for Pastor Treber uh, in the Christian school there in Santa Clara from 1978 to 1980. So I was born there. And when I was a year old, we moved back to Rockford. And that's where I grew up. And my pastor in Rockford was just a man of prayer. You know, Jen's your grandfather who's with the Lord. But my pastor was such an amazing man of God. But I remember asking my dad about Pastor Treber because I didn't know Pastor Treber well at the time. I hadn't gone to college yet, and I hadn't been out there obviously serving like I got to. But I remember my dad saying, he said, you know, Jeremy, he said, I'll tell you, I wasn't surprised said, in those early days. He said it was, you know, just things were just getting, getting going. But he said, I wasn't surprised that God blessed that work. He said, I remember, he said, when I was teaching in the school, he said there was some, uh, on Clyde Avenue, there were some modulars that were there that were used for classrooms and used for offices. And he said, one of those modulars had Pastor Treber's office. He said, Jeremy, I remember going by there just different times, random times. And he said, and I remember hearing a voice inside that modular. And he said, and as I was walking by, I was realizing that's Pastor Treber. And he said, and as I walked by, I, I could tell he wasn't talking to anybody. He was talking to the Lord. He was begging God. He was begging for the power of the Holy Spirit of God upon his life and upon his ministry. And friend, I want to tell you, that's what we need today. That's what we need in our homes. That's what we need in our marriages. That's what we need in this ministry. We don't need more ideas and more technology and more, you know, fancy stuff. We just need an old-fashioned touch, the power of God and a filling of the Holy Spirit of God in our life. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org.
May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.